This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to By the Book. I'm Lee Chuilin, joined as always by my fellow lover of science fiction, Sharmila Ganesan. Hello. And uh, together, we are going to be speaking with author Stuart Danker um, about his novel, Tin Hit City KL, which was long listed for the Epigram Books Fiction Prize 2020. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, I, I actually envisioned this when I was writing the book. <laughs> I was like, oh, how nice would it be if one day this would get me on BFM? Then oh. especially BFM. And yeah, I'm quite surprised that it actually happened. So manifestations. Here we yeah. are. Um, so usually I think it's safest to ask the authors themselves to tell us about the book and the story it's telling so that we steer clear of spoilers. So maybe you can start us off. All right. Uh I also not too sure how to do this without spoilers, right? Um, but it's basically about the protagonist uh, trying to escape somewhere that is not so a place that is not so you know not the best and he finds himself in this quest uh, getting into deeper trouble as he goes along so basically that's the gist of it that's a thoroughly spoiler-free, detail-free explanation of the book. Um, I just wanted to say that it is set in a future version of Kuala Lumpur, specifically, given the title is Tin Head City KL. Um, and it's it's got this great cyberpunk feel. Where did the idea for all this come from? Uh, it actually started out uh, pretty generic, actually. For me, the story actually only ever took place in the train. And I only fleshed it out later, like a few years after I wrote the short story version of it. So uh, the influences came from my own interest in cyberpunk. And I guess, yeah, that's that's where my main interest came from, of wanting to do this genre, especially. Yeah, and, um, you know, Sharmila and... Stuart, both of you have mentioned cyberpunk and the book really wears uh, those influences, sci-fi, cyberpunk, right on its sleeve. Um, what are your reading interests, Stuart, and how did these end up influencing the book? All right. So, uh, it's pretty hard to say because my first <clears throat> exposure into cyberpunk is actually video games. So video games, Syndicate and Deus Ex, uh, those were the things that got me into cyberpunk. And when I actually started reading it, it was more like uh, a new romance. Uh, a, uh, what do I have right now? The most recent one that I love is The, the Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. That is one of my influences as well. You have spoken elsewhere about um, how you didn't actually initially want to or plan to set the story in KL specifically. Uh, and that's quite interesting, right? Because the city made it to the title of the story. What led to it eventually being set in KL? Um, <laughs> people, you know, the editor suggested it. <laughs> because actually, to be fair, my writing skills are not like some. Uh, not fully developed so when I wrote this story it was actually pretty super generic so it was just like oh it, it takes place in a cyberpunk world and you know this is what happens in a typical cyberpunk world so the characters were very non-Asian the setting was very generic it could have happened anywhere so well the 
reason why it's in KL now is because my editor actually recommended it and I actually felt like, oh, wow, yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. And so once KL did make its way um, into being the setting, right? Can you talk to us about the process of transforming the landscape of KL from how it looks today to how it looks and feels in the book's setting? Because, um, you know, there there are specific things, right, about uh, train rides into the heart of town. There are some things to do with drains in particular and smells in particular that are quite specific as well to KL. Uh, Yeah, I mean... When I had to transform it, uh, in my mind, all I ever did was I took places that are more familiar to me. So anywhere, the river, I mean, that that part I kind of made up. But the train is very, it's something that we can imagine happening in the future as well. Like it's a mode of transport that we will probably even use maybe 100 years from now, I guess. right? So... Yeah, again, the changing it to KL part was a bit of a tough one because the entire manuscript has already been written, right? And then you had to go all over again and you change the setting and the characters. So <laughs> that part wasn't wasn't really the the most uh, enjoyable moment of the writing process. So speaking of that process, um, you talked about video games earlier and, you know, cyberpunk, whether in video games or in movies, have a very particular aesthetic. They have a very particular look and feel. Um, Were there particular inspirations in terms of how you wanted this futuristic city to feel? Yeah, uh, I take my inspiration visually from a lot of movies. So uh, what was that? The new Total Recall. I love the look of that movie. Uh, One with Colin Farrell. Yes. <laughs> and of course, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, what, what else? Uh, off the top of my mind, sometimes it's very hard to recall, but I really get all my visuals from movies. So whenever I write my stories, they always take inspiration from these movies you know, I, I think that there is a certain degree of pressure that can happen when you're a Malaysian writing about Malaysia. And we see this sometimes with, um, you know, I think local authors feeling a lot of pressure to capture, um, you know, very perfectly what our country feels like, how it operates. Was it a different experience doing this, A, with a science fiction novel set in the future and B, with a story that initially wasn't really in Malaysia anyway? Yeah, uh, I mean, it was super, super hard because like, what would you do if you want to capture Manglish? Or what if this person speaks in Malay or the other person in Chinese? Like, It's super hard to do that without thinking about confusing an audience and you don't know who's your audience going to be. So uh, I guess you really hit it, hit the nail on the head there because... It will. I think it will continue to be a struggle unless you try to simplify it as much as possible. And I took the simplified route. I was like, "Oh, he's blah blah blah. He spoke. He said in Malay. You know, <laughs> at least that that gives me like a cheat sheet." <laughs> so. um, I wanted to pivot a little bit to talk about technology because that's such a pervasive part of the story um, and it manifests in so many different ways. How did you think about the technology that you feature in this book um, and, and how did you go about developing the various concepts that we come across? I actually, someone actually mentioned that the technology is kind of reminiscent of today's Mysajatra. <laughs> <laughs> 
And to be fair, in 2019, I never even expected such a thing would exist. But uh, yeah, I mean, I in my mind, I just thought like, you know, a cyberpunk world should have this on, you know, based on the movies and games that I've played, you know, they sh- should have this. I don't really put much thought into it. But sometimes, you know, the world follows fiction for some reason. So I just yeah. wanted to say that without giving too much away, there were parts that reminded me of having to quarantine much too close <laughs> for comfort. <laughs> yeah. And totally, I had super no idea that, uh, you know, today was going to be like how it is when I was writing this book. So if there's anything that reminds you of today, please don't <laughs> take it seriously. <laughs> I love that disclaimer. It's just, I did not know the pandemic was going to happen. <laughs> um, could you talk to us also about the the characters? How did you come up with people who would be, I guess, relatable to us today, but also believably from the future and of that time? Uh, so the characters were actually half-half, right? Uh, it started off as someone that I thought was going to be like this. And then the editors came along and told me like, hey, your character's acting like a teenager. Because I, <laughs> I initially planned for him to be like a 30-year-old guy. And uh, it's part of the developmental process. I mean, it wasn't fully mine. But uh, there are some characters that really remind me of uh, the typical archetypes. Like Dice, the mentor. He is the... For me, he is the, you know, in Blade, there's this old guy with the long white hair. <laughs> so yes. That is who Dice is to me, like the archetype, you know, that. <laughs> so some people have a certain, uh, I don't know, feel, but other than that, my characters were like half half. Yeah. We're speaking today with Stuart Danker about his book Tinhead City KL, uh, which was long listed for the Epigram Books Fiction Prize 2020. Let us know if you also like sci-fi and cyberpunk. Is this a genre that appeals to you as a reader? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. We're joined today by Stuart Danker, who is the author of Tin Hit City KL, the book we're discussing today. And um, just as a brief summary, it has it's kind of a, a book set in a modern or a futuristic dystopian version of KL. There is an adventure at the heart of it. There is a quest at the heart of it. I think that we can't say much more without um, without spoiling it. But it does also deal with a number of different themes, I think, which are both very modern. Uh, they've also been around for ages. Things like surveillance, autocratic leaders, the issues with joining something with unquestioning belief, for example. Um, Stuart, have these themes always interested you? Uh, not, to, not really, you know. When I was writing this book, I actually took took it page by page because again it started off as a short story and uh, when all is said and done I actually didn't plan f- for what was about to happen to to happen <laughs> as in it was like uh, when I crossed the bridge when I got there <laughs> and in contrast though the characters do struggle with very very human issues um things like loneliness and love and insecurity uh talk to us about writing these aspects of the story oh yeah this 
So insecurity, I guess you could say some of them were mine. And uh, love, I think I would like to think that I made a good, uh, I don't know, like uh, portrayed it well from my experience. But a lot of the other things I kind of like guessed. Uh, like how would this guy feel like if he was a villain and he hated another person? Or how would this person feel like not having a parent? Because I'm blessed to have parents around when I grew up, right? So yeah, a lot of these things were also <laughs> guesswork, I guess. And a lot of, um, you know, as, as you say, right, there wasn't a sense of um, being able to predict where Malaysia would be when the book was published. How much did Malaysian politics and history actually feed into the story, especially once you had to make that conversion to set it locally? Uh, very little actually, and but I'm still getting comments like, <laughs> "This, this politics in your story is, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't spoil so much, but the politics in your story remind me of something." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, again, this this book was written long before all this happened, so yeah. <laughs> Well, I kind of think that's cool, isn't it? Like so many great sci-fi books and stories end up somehow predicting the future. Um, I do want to pick on one aspect uh, of, of the genre and, and, and specifically talk about how it impacted you because sci-fi and dystopian fiction do come with their own share of uh, tropes and cliches. Uh, some have to do with the treatment of women, for example. Did you give a lot of thought as to how to avoid these in your own writing? Uh, I actually did think about avoiding a lot of the things that uh, would be issues, especially heavy issues that I'm not ready to tackle. Right? Uh, we have so many things going on in society today. And you know, if I were to write that particular thing in a story, I have to be able to at least write it well. Right? So for me, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the pressure. So I just left out some bits I left out a lot of like you know, themes just so that I, I don't know I'll leave it for next time when I'm more prepared to handle handle it in the story. Um, you know, I wanted to ask about that, right? Because you mentioned that you feel as if you're still developing as as a writer, um, and I wondered if you could talk to us a bit about that feeling, especially as somebody who now has a book published, right? Um, you know, where are you? You think on your journey as a writer. What's brought you to this exact moment? Uh, it's all luck, I feel. Uh, until today, I still feel that my work is crappy, even on my blog or even in my fiction. I still feel like, uh, why would anyone want to read this? Right? So <laughs> until today, I still feel that way. And when you said, like, you know, you will read your story to talk about it, I actually didn't want to read it because I don't know if you guys have it with your own writing, but when you read your own writing, it's almost like you are listening to your own singing, you know, that kind of like, so, so that is where I am, I guess. I don't know if I will ever not be here in terms of my writing. What does it feel like now that the book is out? Um, what reception have you gotten? How does that make you feel? Uh, the first thing that I felt was like, Really? Someone wanted to publish like a sci-fi story coming from Malaysia, like especially a, an author from Malaysia. 
but it has been a bit of a confidence boost because I actually quit my job to write this novel. For some reason, I had this calling. I was like, you have to write a novel now or you won't be able to do it. So I did it and it felt stupid. It felt silly. And then it got published. So I feel super thankful that uh, things happened the way it did. You know, um, also considering what you said earlier about the there, there being themes that you recognize are there that are worth exploring, but that you don't feel ready to do. I, I'm curious whether um, at the moment with your writing, you're still kind of in the sci-fi cyberpunk genre. Do you think, are you thinking about expanding? Are you thinking of tackling uh, different sorts of themes, different sorts of stories? I would love to. Like, again, I want to mention Becky Chambers because she tackles all this super well. Uh, sexuality, uh, even a bit of race. So I, and she does it all in a comedic kind of cyberpunk, not a serious type. So yeah, maybe one day I could also do it like her. So without giving too much away, um, the book kind of has space for expansion, I feel. Um, Are there going to be more installments of this particular story? I would definitely love to continue uh, exploring it because it was the first novel that I've ever tried writing, right? So it has a special place in my imagination. And yeah, if there is an avenue to continue the story, I would definitely love to go back to that universe. And uh, what's next for you? What have you been up to since the book was published? Uh, It's... uh, I have since written four manuscripts, but they weren't. They haven't gotten a lot of traction. I'm still shopping them around, but I will just continue writing novels. Uh, uh, maybe after my fourth one, I'll just keep on writing my fifth one. And props to publishers like Fixie, because they're having competitions, right? And even Epigram for doing it yearly. And yeah, at least these avenues, they give me hope that my manuscripts have somewhere to go. Wait, I just wanted to say though, you wrote four manuscripts since 2019 and now? Yep. (laughs) I feel so shamed. (laughs) That's a productive period. I know. (laughs) I wasn't working until 2020. So I had the time (laughs) until the end of 2020. Stuart, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thanks so much for having me. We've been talking with Stuart Danker, who is the author of Tinhead City KL, um, his first novel, and one that was long listed for the Epigram Books Fiction Prize 2020. We want to know, um, you know, it is, as we've been saying, a sci-fi cyberpunk story. Um, we want to know if those are genres that you enjoy reading. Let us know. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, you can, of course, also write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes um, and in this part of the show we usually do a mini review of uh, the book that we just talked about. So again, we were speaking earlier with Stuart Danker who is the author of Tinhead City KL and now we're just going to be talking about our experience of reading the book. Um, Sharmila, do you think that we should, can be more specific about the storyline or do we leave it as we did in the interview? 
I think we can just add in the one thing that we didn't bring up during the interview, which is that the title of that book, Tinhead, mm. uh, comes from um, essentially a policing initiative that this futuristic KL is under. The antagonists, so the sort of. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. So the Tinheads are actually these robots robotic, mechanical cops. So therefore, um, justice and law and order has become completely mechanized. And, and, and I think that's actually an important part to say because it's, it's really a big part of what makes up the backbone of the story. Yeah, um, and actually that's a lot to do with the themes that we brought up, right? About surveillance, about uh, what it means when, for example, the human element of things is taken out. There's also a huge thing about the corporatization of Kuala Lumpur because mm -hmm. um, in there's... Um, I wouldn't say the world building is vague because actually when you're reading the story, it's quite a vivid setting. You really, really feel it and you can actually see the, the settings that um, Stewart writes about, you know, whether it's underground bunkers, whether it's trains, whether it's a KL that's like familiar but also gone horribly wrong. Um, but I think that there is there are some elements that are a little looser. For example, there is a shady corporation that is clearly now fully in control of Kuala Lumpur. And Kuala Lumpur also appears to have seceded from the country. So I think yes. um, that that's something not else. Even, it's not even Kuala Lumpur anymore. It's just KL. KL, yes. Um, and it's really kind of separate from the rest of Malaysia, which, um, you know, has achieved a sort of mythical sense of maybe someday we can make it out of KL, you know, so it's got a rather claustrophobic feel. And I think that that is by design. Again, if you talk about the genres of uh, sci-fi, cyberpunk and having a, a protagonist kind of thrust into a situation, this is usually the situation in which they are thrust. Um, so I wanted to start off and say that I had a fun time reading it. I thought that um, all the stuff that we talked about, the fact that it really, really deals um, very fast and heavy in kind of sci-fi, cyberpunk settings and storylines, I actually found that really, um, really rather fun. So it's a small book. Mm. And I think the fact that it's a small book both works to its advantage and sometimes to its disadvantage. So the great part about it is that the writing and the storyline is snappy enough that because it's a small book, you you fly through it. And, you know, things happen very quickly. There's no um, there's no time for you to pause and 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 I think think about some of the smaller flaws or issues with what's happening. And, and that's fine because it's a great read. It's an engaging read. Um, I actually read it just over two sittings uh, because of how much I wanted to know what happens next. Um, where the, uh, perhaps the downside of it being a small book is, is in exactly those things that you mentioned earlier, I actually loved the, um, the settings. I love the trains. I loved the low. There's this great uh, scene or sequence set in these high-rise, low-cost apartments, and and I loved those parts. And I kind of sometimes wanted wanted more. I wanted more of those settings. I wanted to live in those spaces for a while, uh, to live in this world for a while. And the length of the book just, I think, just doesn't accommodate it. And 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 I wish it did. But that doesn't mean the book was not successful in what it did. I think also um, because of because of the slenderness of the book, um, there are also certain chunks of story that got more focused. So I think um, as you start barreling towards the end, and it is a barreling kind of read, right? Like, um, as you say, you want to know what's going to happen. And so as you're reading it, you really, um, and the pace really starts picking up towards the latter half, the latter third, in fact, of the book. Um, and I think that that part tries to pack a lot of um, 
not even story, but a lot of events. A lot of the story actually takes place um, almost at the bookends of the book. It, it In the establishing, I almost said shots, which I think leads me to my next point, but in the establishing chapters, which really tells you, okay, this is the protagonist, Zachary, this is um, what's going on. Um, and in the end, when it so- somewhat kind of resolves everything. But because of that, I think that there are certain sections of the book that got more shine. And like you said, I would have uh, at some points, I think, like to have taken a breath and appreciated where we were, literally where we were, and um, maybe understood a bit more about the the KL or the Malaysia that we were in. What's interesting about that, though, is that I didn't feel the same way about characters. I felt that each of the characters got just enough space for you to understand just what you needed to understand about them. And perhaps that's also a function of, um, because Stuart did say earlier that he uh, started this off as a short story, right? So, um, you know, you don't sort of get too much depth about them, but at the same time, you get just enough that you are invested in them. Um, And I think that's kind of nice for a story like this, because there are lots of characters, there there are lots of things going on, and there are a number of people that you kind of have to remember and keep track of. So, I I feel that in a weird way, it was an advantage that the characters didn't require too much of you. Um, They were likable and they were just enough. Um, In fact, Stuart used the word archetype. And I think a lot of the characters were actually quite archetypal, which again meant that you could... Enjoy, I would say, the adventure more so than having to dive into somebody's psyche, which is not the kind of story this is. Um, I I also wanted to pick up on something that came up in our interview, which was the fact that um, Stuart mentioned look a lot, aesthetics, you know, uh, visuals. And I think that is something that comes through very strongly in the reading of the book. So um, while I will say that the dialogue is believable, a lot of it is also somewhat um, archetypal, veering towards generic and I think that comes from the the novel's more generic beginnings and where it's supplemented is in the very game-like movie-like settings um, because those are very believable from the beginning when we first are plunged into KL and the tin heads and um, the trains and understanding in in broad strokes what the place is like. Um, It did feel very cinematic. I could actually see it. And I think that that's actually a tremendous skill. Yeah, I could totally see almost every scene that's described, right? There's a there's one scene which takes place at uh, the, the turnstiles of going into the trains and, and a crowd suddenly gathers. I immediately knew what that would look like. Um, again, the, the high-rise, low-cost apartments, very vivid. Um, I, I, I can imagine this making a great film or, mm. in a, or a short. Um, and, and I think it's because it's, it's written very cinematically by someone whose influences were also very cinematic. I would like to see more, I think, novellas uh, set in this universe, more short stories, because I I would love the opportunity to explore the different pockets of what it means to be in this scale. I know that, again, this was not a book that was initially set to be set in Malaysia. Um, and like you, and, and I really think that... Um, I'm glad the conversion was made because I think it made a big difference. And as a Malaysian, I really enjoyed the depiction of a dystopian Malaysian. I know that's a bit odd to say, but because of that, I would like the opportunity to read a little more um, world buildy stuff, whether that comes in the form of other chapters, another novel. I think short stories would play really well. 
I completely agree. Um, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily need more of these people, um, but I'd love to see more of um, either what comes after the events of this book or the backdrop or just adjacent stories set within this corporatized, mechanized KL of the future. Um, it's so rich. And, and I think that with more stories that are shorter, you can also pick up on um, politics or, or, or history or relationships in a way that perhaps one propulsive storyline might not be able to. So we've been talking today about Tin Hit City KL, um, written by Stuart Danker. If you missed it, we had um, a conversation with Stuart earlier about the writing of the book and what led to it. So let us know, um, do you like sci-fi and cyberpunk in general as reading genres? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and of course, write to us. We always love receiving mail at bythebook at bfm.my.com.